sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Well, this is my first time doing a sermon online, anything like this, so hopefully, hopefully it's, uh, it's, uh, it goes well. <laughs> so um, this Palm Sunday, I think, is a potent reminder uh, that we need Jesus. The world needs a saving king who is going to ride to our rescue because all is not as it should be. Uh, at least half the world right now is in quarantine or under lockdown because there's an invisible enemy assaulting the world. Uh, and what makes this upcoming Easter, I think, particularly striking is that God has given us a global reminder that the world needs a redeemer, needs him. And, and uh, like sin, a virus is irrespective of persons. There, there is no one that can claim that they are safe from it. Um, and in this week where we celebrate God's victory over sin and death, uh, in his great wisdom, he has chosen to place a shadow over the world in order to emphasize our need for him. Only he can dispel the shadows of this world. The passage we're going to look at today is in John 12, and you're welcome to open your Bible or turn on your device and read it with me. And it's going to begin with the warrior King Jesus coming into Jerusalem as the people celebrate him. And in a few days time, he will confront and conquer the powers of darkness in a way that no one anticipates. But before he does that, he's going to acknowledge his lordship and the people are going to reject him as Lord. So. If you want to read with me, uh, we're going to begin, begin in verse 9 of chapter 12 in John. It says, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and said on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those that went to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. 
and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For the, again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the, put out of the synagogue, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So, back on. Um, at the beginning of this passage, we find a large crowd in Jerusalem for Passover. And when they hear that Jesus is coming, they greet him with palm branches and they cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Uh, and as Christian uh, mentioned Hosanna, it means save us or, or save please. It's a cry to God for help. And as they cry out, save us, they have no idea that they are proclaiming this over the true Passover lamb. If you recall, Passover was instituted during the Exodus. It's a time for God's people to celebrate God's redemption, the freedom he brought Israel and saving them from Egypt, their enslavers, and the grace in passing over the households without executing judgment on the firstborn because of the blood of an unblemished lamb that marked their doorposts. What the people in Jerusalem uh, during Jesus's triumphant entry don't know, and what we celebrate this Easter week, is that the true Passover, the Passover that each one, uh, that each previous one foreshadowed and looked forward to with eager expectation, is about to occur. And Jesus, as the true Passover lamb, will have his blood shed. And all those who are marked by his blood will be saved from God's judgment and will be delivered from their enslavers. Those being sin and the cosmic powers over this present darkness. If you look to verse 18, 
it, it gives an explanation for why this crowd is fawning over Jesus with this marvelous praise as he enters Jerusalem. It says the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign, the sign being the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Once in Jerusalem, Jesus begins to teach. And after doing so, the text says in verse 37, though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. And verse 39 says they could not believe. This is strange to say in the context of the passage, uh, because as we just read, uh, there were numerous verses in the passage that talk about belief. In verse 11, it says, on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. And, ver and in verse 13, we see them praising him eagerly as he enters Jerusalem. And the Pharisees are quoted in verse 19 as saying, look, the world has gone after him. And in verse 32, uh, it says, many of the authorities believed in him. So how are the crowds affirmed in their, their uproarious praise and belief in verses 11, 13, 19, and 42, and then in the middle of the passage, it inserts the fact that they do not believe in verses 37, and they cannot believe in verses 39. Is the text contradicting itself, uh, or is this a huge narrative blunder created uh, by the text? And the answer is, of course, no. It's, it's very intentional. And what it's doing is portraying two types of belief in the passage. The first belief is a belief in Jesus's lordship that is chiefly concerned about the glory of man, which is the belief that they do have, and a belief in Jesus's lordship that is chiefly concerned about the glory of God, the one they don't possess. The excitement of Jesus's arrival in Jerusalem isn't coming from hearts that actually delight in him for who he is, but because of what they think he can do for him. They want a king who can free them from the yoke of the Romans and has the type of awe-inspiring power that can bring dead people back to life. They are absolutely willing to accept Jesus as the Christ, but a Christ who is concerned with the glory of man, a Christ that pursues the will of man, a Christ that meets their wants and expectations. Their belief in him goes only so far, because after they hear Jesus teach these things that go beyond what they are actually seeking, what they want, what their hearts, uh, what their hearts won't follow him into that truth that he's been proclaiming. They would be fine uh, with sitting with Jesus and hearing him, him speak upon political philosophy, his plans for restoring national and military might and glory to Israel or sitting and having him exercise his miraculous abilities to heal the people among them. But when he begins to teach theology, who God is, what God's true purposes are for the world, what it means to know, love, and follow him, they, are, they aren't willing to accept that. It's in verses 42 and 43 that we're told why their belief in Jesus is stifled, and what the differences are between the two beliefs that are at work in this passage. Those verses, again, I'll read them for us. They say, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They are willing to believe in Jesus, but only if it doesn't impede their heart's chief desire which is this man 
centered glory. They, they aren't willing to follow Jesus if it means a total restructuring of faith and life around Jesus, or if it meant being disparaged by society and leaders for the sake of Jesus, or if it meant sacrifice and suffering and faithful obedience, or if it meant putting God first. If Christianity promised healing right now, if, if following Jesus meant no more corrupt governments, no more coronavirus, no more struggle, no more immediate uh, or, or, if, or if it meant uh, meeting the immediate need of all, all, the, all the things that we do need every day, then we would see the nations, the world over, line the streets and praise the Lordship of Jesus just as Jerusalem did. They would do this because that kind of Jesus fulfills the wants and desires of those who are interested in the glory of man and those who want Jesus to be a butler who wields his power to meet their wills. Most people will lift a Hosanna to a Jesus like that. And of course, Jesus is interested in responding to the cry for salvation. That's why he's come. But his chief mission is to save us from sin so we can draw near to the Father and him be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the people in Jerusalem, they didn't want to be saved from sin. They wanted to be saved from the Romans, from death from sickness, from poverty, from corruption, and a million other things that, that were upon their hearts. But not at the cost of leaving their love for man-centered glory. Jesus knows our chief needs. Humanity needs to be restored to having covenantal fellowship with God and to have the destructive effects of sin dealt with in our lives. Easter week is a time for us to celebrate Jesus doing this, to praise his glory, to praise him for who he is and what he's done and why we love him. So let us consider, are we praising Jesus like the crowds of Jerusalem out of a heart that is mostly interested in the glory of man and seeing Jesus come to deal with our temporal problems? And I, and I don't want to minimize those problems. And those sufferings, they're worthy of prayer and tears. And Jesus will and does deal with those. But, but I, I want us to remember that they don't rival the sinister nature of sin in our hearts. Those problems and those little sufferings, that's not what has separated us from God or why his wrath is coming on the world. Or are we praising Jesus this week because we rejoice in his redemptive lordship? and recognize the glory of God is the only thing worth living for. That being drawn into covenantal communion with the Father and Jesus by the Holy Spirit is the ultimate good for humans. That there is no higher wonder or beauty in knowing God and adoring his splendor everlastingly as the days of eternity unfold. When we reflect on Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, uh, to institute the true Passover, we ought to rejoice in the truth that this lamb, in declaring himself to be Lord, testifies to himself as being the only one who can save us from our enslavement to sin. Sin that drives us to seek false glory, sin that drives us to worship deceitful idols, sin that leads us into all kinds of darkness, uh, the same type of sinful inclinations that drove Adam and Eve to forsake life with God in an attempt to exalt themselves apart from God. This week, we have the privilege to worship the triumphant one, 
Jesus, our Lord, and to focus on his life, crucifixion, and resurrection, the means by which God chose to save us from our wretched lives and fill us with his righteousness. So, so take time to celebrate God's redemptive purposes this week, his holy character, his grace, his glory uh, that surpasses our own in every way imaginable. Celebrate that life is all about him and not about us. Celebrate that we were made to be imitators of Jesus. Celebrate that our greatest joy and purpose is to reflect God's glory back to him. My prayer is that all of us make this week a week of celebration. There's not much to celebrate in the world right now, but because of what Jesus has done, we always have something to celebrate. If it, if it were not for this Easter week, all those years ago, none of us could rightfully claim to be sons or daughters of the Father. Um, my recommendation, something that I would suggest since none of us are going to be terribly busy this week with traveling or seeing family or dining out or commuting, is that either by yourself or with a roommate or maybe with your family, read the crucifixion and resurrection accounts in each of the Gospels during this Easter week. I think doing so will help center our minds on the most important truths in the universe and help us to truly celebrate Jesus in all that he has done. Uh, back at Biola, I used to have a professor. Uh, one of the things that he would say often is that God commands us to party or die uh, because God is deeply, deeply cares about celebrating his grace and it's of the most and its uh, importance. And he demands celebration, partying, rejoicing in him because he's worthy of it. But I mean, of course, as a parent, I know that the reality is with kids, TV, video games, the constant need to make food every 30 minutes to clean and do laundry. There's so many things that demand our time and attention. And devoting time to Jesus and those he wants us to love too often is going to fall at the wayside. Um, but I'm going to steal a phrase from John Piper here. He wrote a book called Don't Waste Your Life, which is a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. It's very short. But uh, I'm going to say, don't waste your quarantine. <laughs> don't just binge watch Tiger King or knock off a bunch of films from your to watch list. Don't just browse social media or run uh, or, or any of the number of things that you love to do. But use this quarantined time to draw near to the Lord, to those and those who, who he's forcibly contained you with. Uh, <laughs> you may never have this much solitary time alone with with those people again. Don't let the major things become the minor things. Don't let the minor things become the major things. Don't let your relationship with Jesus, the Lord of glory, ever be an add-on to our busy or quarantined life. True love demands true affection. True belief demands true devotion. True following demands true pursuit. True, true relationship demands true time spent enjoying and getting to know the beloved. So since God has cooped us up for the foreseeable future, hopefully ending in a few weeks, but spend that time cultivating your love for God, your family, your friends, and whoever else you might be with. Spend time in prayer with, with the Lord and in deep conversation with whoever you're with. Enjoy God's many good gifts but devote yourself wholeheartedly to the things that matter most, namely Jesus' lordship 
and your calling to be a faithful servant in whatever situation he's placed you in. Whatever your week looks like, set your eyes on Jesus, because this week, especially of all weeks, especially Good Friday, Easter Sunday, it is the culmination of God's redemptive plan where his glory is communicated more majestically than anywhere else. Um, before closing, I just want to read a passage from 1 Timothy that for me has always been a very potent reminder of Jesus's lordship. In it, Paul says, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the blessed, and when he says blessed, he means happy, and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. This is the one who entered Jerusalem, the lamb, who entered on a donkey, who was rejected because of his emphasis on God's centrality and life and his redemptive purposes. Because of those things, he was found to be unappealing and offensive by those ultimately in Jerusalem. And by God's grace, may that never be true of any of us. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so thankful that you are a saving God, that we cry Hosanna and you come. We're so thankful that you, Jesus, were willing to bear the burden of wrath on our behalf. Father, we each deserved that. But because of Jesus' grace and his love and his work, we are now sons and daughters. And I pray that this week, Father, that, that you would let that reality take hold from each one of us. That it would never slip away from our minds, but we would have confidence knowing you are our father. We are your children. You, you love us and have forgiven us. There is no sin that can separate us from you anymore because of what Jesus has done. But let us walk in obedience, Father. Let us walk in holiness. Let us walk in the continued love and delight and rejoicing in, for, in you and who you are. We say, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name in our lives, Father. Whatever you must do to accomplish that, please do it, Lord. There's nothing more important. We want to see you glorified because you are worthy of that glory. Just thank you, Father. Let this time, Lord, in quarantine be a time to draw near to you, uh, a time to focus on you. We can't gather together as a church, but we are gathered together either with family or friends, hopefully. And I pray that those times, Lord, will be times to see you, Jesus. Come and let us see your glory so clearly. Open our hearts, Father. Let our hearts not be shut as those were, as the Jews were in Jerusalem. We love you so much, Father. And we pray, just let this love continually increase. Do not let it be stagnant. Do not let it decrease, Father, but give increase to our love for you. And increase our knowledge of you each passing day, Father, as we dive into your word, reveal to us the hidden glories that are there. We love you so much, Jesus, and I'm just thankful that you are present with us in this time because it is a hard time. And we pray, Lord, that however you are calling us to serve, let us serve, even if it's just our children and having patience with them um, in their cooped up nature that they're currently experiencing. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.
This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.